right, welcome back to uh, week three. Man, how fast three weeks go. I mean, you know what I mean? That's so, episode number three, Coffee and Christ. And last week, and you have to, if you haven't listened to last week's, go back and listen to it. Because that was sponsored by Starbucks Christmas Blend. That's right. Which is trash. No. It's gross. It's just, no, no. It's gross. Uh, you just, you're a whip. But, I am. But, <laughs> this week we are sponsored by Duncan Extra Extra Creamer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this has become my favorite. I, I discovered it like two months ago. You can't even taste I don't, coffee. I don't do that. I take it straight black. So, this week I'm not muscling down... Warm black sludge. No, it's pretty good. I think but this week's pretty good. It has a hint, hint of caramel. I don't taste it. I taste, it's, you just I take the extra, the extra, extra, extra. Like, all right. You know who's also extra, extra? Me. <laughs> so, uh, just a recap of last week a little bit before we get into our introduction. You know, we talked about John the Baptist um, preparing the way for Christ. And we, we talked about a lot of stuff. But I think the last thing we talked about was, you know, we talked about bearing good fruit mm-hmm. and what that meant. Yep. You know, and I think our, maybe the last thing we talked about was what kind of fruit are we bearing? Yep. Are we preparing the way for Christ? And that's, that's a sobering question. Yeah. And so this week is a lot. Um, we're going to get into uh, Matthew chapter four. If you attend the Double Springs Church of Christ, funny that Richard Perry talked about this yesterday uh, we've had these notes for a good bit now and you're gonna find out how very common this podcast is compared to what you heard sunday morning yeah. but you still get our point of view so we still continue but if you didn't here you go tune in you get a new a new um look at matthew chapter four love it um what's new with you before we go what's well, new in your world you see i'm sort of a golf enthusiast not good uh i dabble here and there with playing, but uh, the Masters was on the greatest tournament ever in the history of golf, and I don't know St Andrews. The Open's pretty good, and that's coming up in July. But the Masters is just—it's ah, something about seeing Tiger back. It just gets you going. I didn't do any schoolwork for the past two days. I just watched the Masters. Funny I didn't en- do any work, work <laughs> at all. <laughs> and funny enough, the teachers were the same way. They were like, "How's Tiger shooting?" Like. They they don't care obviously anyway. I have twenty days until I graduate. Big deal. Twenty days. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Glad to see Tiger back into the swing of things. That was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, have a drum in here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I just really. I can I came that off the fly. But uh, yeah. And the Masters just kind of a uh, it just it takes me in a whole lot because there's so, people have so much money. And they spend it on these things. You know the golf, like the clubhouse there, makes $850,000 a day. You know... There's four days in the Masters. Fun fact. The Golden Eagle Golf Course... <laughs> Local course. ...here at Tennessee Tech University makes $850,000 a year. I know that, actually. Really? So, well, well, they make just, it a day, we make it a year. <laughs> I just don't... That's crazy. Like, and, and it's a one-time... You get a ticket... It's a one-time purchase, so like you have to go around and get all of like your your people stuff, so you can go and spend a thousand dollars in one pot. Like, but then like their menu stuff is the same from when it started. It's like a dollar for like a hot dog. Like, but I haven't even talked to you about this. I was going to next year. I'm going to the Masters. Really? I'm gonna save up money starting like right now. It's like two thousand dollars a ticket. But I want to go. Yeah. And you can go. We can go to the Masters. Oh, heck yeah. I I thought about that the other night. I was like, if I start saving a year in advance, maybe I can afford to go. Heck yeah. (laughs) So I really do. I want to go. Oh, yeah. And also something about that. Uh, One of, like, somebody that I know who has, like, a house down there in Augusta, they move out for these four days, obviously. But they put their house on, like, Airbnb for people to uh, just to stay there. And they make their entire year's mortgage in four days. Well, we may have to they make their entire year's mortgage in a day oh in four days oh boy for those who cannot see which is obviously everyone except me dylan has spilled some of the coffee onto the table it's okay it's wood it'll it'll wipe right off it's it's my (laughs) oh my my bible (laughs) 
coffee and grass. Coffee on the table. Coffee on the table. <laughs> and grass. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go next year. I'm, I'm down. Do. That'd be so cool. I'm just, saving. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I should start goal. saving a year. I should have started saving last year. <laughs> we're gonna go, maybe not for four days, but we're gonna go. Oh yeah, count me in. So anyway, what else? Anything? Anything else new? Nah, it's good for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same way. I mean, I was watching the Masters last week. I know this is cliche, but I just love Tiger Woods. We're distantly related. Really? Not really. I like the Woods, <laughs> but you know what? He's Woods with an S, and I'm just Wood. Singular. Singular. That's but, okay. But I mean, he's nice fun to, to watch. I like him. He's very classy. I enjoy getting to watch him play. And that's what, like, I have, okay, I have a very heavy workload at work every day. But I basically took a two-day sabbatical <laughs> and just had it on my computer. And, like, one of my coworkers, Brad, was trying to talk to me. And I was just watching the Masters. And he was like, Dylan, Dylan. And I was like, oh, what? Masters is on. Can you keep your voice? <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, I did. I watched that, and like even my, some of my employees that work under me would call me and ask questions, and I'm like, "Don't you understand? I'm watching the Masters. Don't right you now. know what day it is?" So, and, and I didn't know a thing. Well, I knew the Masters were a thing, but I never watched them until two years ago. It's crazy. I, I never like growing up. They make it look so easy. It they do. They make it look so easy. But if you ever play golf with me, though, man, I'm good <laughs> I mean tr- no I'm not, I'm not they said the average golfer who sh- shoots a 10 handicap shoots about 100 to 115 on Augusta oh, that would be very bad for me that's a ten- yeah that that's crazy they said they said there's like a 20% that would shoot like an 85 to 100 but there's a 1.1% of people shooting an 85 or less I would not be in that 1.1%. And an 85 is less. I think, if I'm not wrong, it's a par 72. So you're still shooting. If you shoot an 85 and less, you're still shooting like 13 over. Like, I would kill for that. Uh, for real. Like, but one thing I can 100% guarantee you that I would do is throw a club. At least once. At, well, at least Probably once. get thrown out. You know you can't walk? I mean, you can't run. I can't run? Like at, at Augusta. All? I don't run at the golf course. But like, when they open but. the gates, you can't run. Like, you gotta like fast walk. The whole time to get like to your place. It's just like something they do. If you run, they're like, get yeah, out. It's just so dramatic and like it just it's the whole experience. I love it. I know a guy that I, I see at work. He doesn't work with us, but I see him um, at different places. And he went, and then he was telling me about it the other day. And I'm like, me and Jackson are gonna go. That's right. And I didn't even ask Jackson's permission, but I knew he would want to I mean, go. Yeah. So we're gonna go to the Masters. We may have a special broadcast next year. At Augusta. From Augusta. Oh my goodness. That'd be so fun. But not on a fancy Airbnb, probably from a day's end. But uh, the jury in. Still good. The jury's nice. But anyway, that's just the thing. I mean, Masters, it's kind of sad that it's over now, but I'm like. What am I supposed to do with the rest, <laughs> rest of my week? I'm going to have to work, I guess, <laughs> now. But, but no, it is fun. I'm watching. Watch how unlevel my table is. So our recording studio is in my house, <laughs> but it's in an extra like office room that we have. And the, the table was unlevel because the coffee is migrating my direction. Uh, this house was built in the 50s, though, so. It's fine. It's pretty good for. It keeps up pretty good. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to read the first four verses in Matthew chapter 4. So, um, starting in verse 1, then Jesus was led up uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, or tempter, excuse me. And said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So uh, a few things just to kind of take away from uh, Matthew 4. And specifically, I'm going to just kind of focus in verse 1, is that Jesus was tempted. So what what would seem so quickly... um, we don't know how much time has passed between uh, Matthew 3 and 4, but still, it's obviously probably not a, a huge amount of time. It's mm-hmm. still, he still is, a, he's still targeted so quickly. And, um, and Jesus is like the son of God. So like God has, not to say allowed, but like he's not intervening with Satan tempting him. And it kind of just comes to show you that our way is different from God's way. Um, God's way is often a, kind of a mystery to us and, Concerning what we go through and what our everyday experiences are, but it's just it it amazes me that God allowed Jesus to be pursued by the by Satan just immediately, almost seemed immediately after baptism. 
This is before, I mean, his ministry doesn't begin until around verse 12. Yeah. So this is before Jesus truly began his ministry. Yeah. So that's a big, I mean, that's crazy. He's got a big target on his back. And then, um, and so on the other hand, Jesus and Satan, when they converse, it's kind of unique from our experiences usually. So like there's times where we are led by God and it's in blindly led is probably an accurate statement uh, into areas that we sometimes like don't understand and can't can't comprehend and don't know why we're going through this trial. But there's a story I heard. Uh, actually, I heard it on TikTok that uh, there's this Chinese man. And so it's based a while ago, um, probably uh, like 1800s, a long time ago. But this Chinese man owns this farm. And one of his horses gets out and runs away. And so all the town people come and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And then he just responds with maybe. And then a day comes by and then seven horses come into the fold. And they're like, wow, this is great. That's that's so good of you. You now have more horses. And he's like, well, maybe. And then the next day, his son's attending the horses and the horse has a fit and breaks his son's leg. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um... And he's, he's just like, well, maybe. Well, and then another day passes, and like this army recruiter comes in, coming to take his son to the army, and now finds that his son can't go to the army. And so all the people come, and they're like, oh, that's so great. Your son didn't have to go to the army. And they're like, he's like, well, maybe. And the whole point is that we don't understand something like a horse running away, us losing something, how that's going to affect us later in life. We don't know how that's going to picture that but God does and that's just something that um, is kind of unique and then um, with Jesus just being tempted I feel like there's a common like misconception maybe sometimes because it says uh, Jesus was led up by the spirit very specifically and that's I don't want people to think that the spirit is tempting Jesus like he didn't put him in that situation for him to maybe stumble and, and struggle but Um, In James 1, verses 13, it says, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and himself tempts no one. And so so the Spirit isn't tempting Jesus. Jesus. I think that Jesus, uh, well, excuse me, God, uh, he doesn't tempt people, but he does use circumstances that we go through sometimes to test a person's character. And we can see that all in Hebrews 11 which is like called the hall of faith and um, and like just a specific example in Genesis 22 when Abraham's tempted with giving him giving his only son to be to crucify him pretty much to sacrifice him to God and that's just a point where he's been tested and, and God does that in a whole lot of other circumstances and what I like about I mean and what's good about this podcast is I have my notes Jackson has his notes we don't look at them before. Like yeah. we may talk about them a little bit, but like you're gonna get kind of two different looks at it. But the biggest thing that I see here is, you know, a term I hear a lot. You know, I've been ministry for in ministry for three years, four years now, and <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> but what I hear a lot is, you know, people struggle with having a good relationship with God. Because they can't relate to him. Number one, because you can't see him. But number two, because he's God. Yeah. And this opens my eyes a lot. And you're going to hear the word temptation for the next 40 minutes a lot. But Jesus was just like us. And was tempted. Okay, now I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I did not eat for 40 days... And 40 nights, I would be a, a terror. <laughs> I can't last I'm just like gonna four tell hours. You, I'm going to tell you, like, when I get hangry, and it takes a lot for me to truly get, like, hangry. Yeah. But, like, if, if I'm really that way, it's bad. Like, I am not a pleasant person to be around. And if I've not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, if the tempter came to me, if Satan came to me and said, okay... Dylan, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. It's going to be raining bread. (laughs) I'm serious. Because that's, I'm not saying I don't have a lot of willpower. Yeah. But I promise, if you were that way. Oh, yeah. If you could do that, 
Would you? That'd be so cool. <laughs> I would. It would be raining French bread it's loaves. Raining bread. You know, like the dollar of French bread you can buy at Walmart. It's it would bread. be. It'd be raining that bread. Yeah. All right, yeah. but his his response, I guess, in verse four, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. He's saying your temptation has no effect on me, and that makes me just. And I'm not going to go into it in tongues. I know you're going to talk about it a little bit, but like. That makes me feel closer to God. Yeah. Now, though he withstood a temptation that I didn't, or that I wouldn't, or I couldn't, I better would be the better word to say, mm-hmm. but just the fact that he was a man and was tempted. Yeah. Because now when, obviously, when we're tempted, you know, though we fall short, at least we can say, well... Jesus was tempted too. Yeah, you know he had he was is going through the same struggle that I am. Yeah, he's that mediator, and um, yeah, continue like in Matthew chapter four, he says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." He's quoting here actually Deuteronomy eight uh, verse three, and so that kind of just shows you that even it, when temptation attacks us or is is very prevalent in our lives, and it is for all of us that. We should do what Jesus did, and he just returning to the scriptures, because that's where all the answers are. Right, and we're going to talk about that a lot in a few minutes too. Oh, yeah. But that's one thing too. He's saying turn to the scriptures, but what if you really like dumb this down to our level? He's being tempted, and he says basically in our words to understand, it's not important to me because God is everything. Exactly. And that like, I was reading this some last night. Um, well, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> And um, I was reading Matthew 4, and I was literally just laying in my bed in awe because I'm like, that's literally what, I mean, he said, you know, your temptations, they don't affect me because God means more to me than that temptation. Yeah. And that doesn't work for us a lot of the times, you know, because we can't see. Yeah. We can't see ahead, but that just, it blows my mind. It truly blows my mind. And we keep going in, read to 11. Yeah. So starting in here in verse 5, And the devil took him to a holy city um, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And I want you all to listen to this. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan is saying that. All of this I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. In verse 10, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Yeah, so I think what's kind of first caught my eye and what's kind of funny is um, is that in when you're looking at verse 5 and 6, Satan here actually quotes Scripture. He takes it out of context, obviously trying to trick Jesus into falling into a trap, but he, he actually quotes uh, Psalms 91. And then um, kind of move down into 7 where um, he's talking, he also, Jesus combats this, this temptation again with scripture again showing that God's word is the best and easiest way to combat uh, uh, sin and he says um, I lost my place uh, more specifically in verse 7 he says you shall not put the Lord your God to the test so I was just wondering do you think people uh, like to test God's limits of his mercy and his grace sometimes I think so I really, and I don't and again, this is me talking, it's not scripture, but yeah. I think we do, and you see that a lot with the changing of the scripture. You know, people will, will and we won't, you could talk about this all day, but, you know, we have specific ways as Christians that we have to conduct ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have certain ways and certain commandments that, you know, we have to worship. All right, Jackson just. <laughs> Spill coffee everywhere. I think it's well. the cup. I think it's <laughs> so, the cup. Rip. 
more coffee stains on the white carpet. Anyway, um, it's actually so, it's actually mostly in the seat that I'm sitting in. If ooh, we're being honest, um, but one thing that I see a lot is, you know, God's not going to send anybody to hell. Um, you're right. He doesn't want to. Yeah, you're right. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there. Yeah. And that's a very blunt statement. But people, people, the way they conduct themselves, that claim that they're Christians, people who worship the Lord in other ways that we are not commanded to worship him, they're testing God's limits. They're testing it. And, and guys, I'm not the judge. You know, I'm not going to condemn somebody, but I do know that I'm going to follow the scriptures. Yeah. And I'm going to speak where they speak, and I'm going to be silent where they're silent. And I'm not going to push the limits with God. Like, we all know these people in our lives that they push us and push us and push us. And, yes, we're still nice to them. Yes, we put up with them. But they push us to our limit. Yeah. And God's the same way. I mean, we do that. And sometimes we do it and don't even notice it. But there are certain things that, you know, yes, we have to conduct ourselves a certain way. And a lot of people say, oh, well, he doesn't really mean that. Honey, if the scriptures say it, he means it. I mean, he's not going to... It's plain as day. It's in the inspired word of God. Yeah. If it says it, and we have to do it, then do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't don't test God and say, well, maybe we can do it this way. Or, well, maybe we can change. He didn't really mean that. Yes, he did. Yeah. And so, yeah, I fully think that, that people are going to... That people test God every day. I probably tested God. as well. I know I have. But, I mean, I've tested God, too. I mean... What do you think about it? Oh, no, I agree. Just uh, people sometimes, I think, take for granted God's mercy and grace. And then so sometimes they almost give themselves a little too much leeway where they're like, oh, you know what? I can do this and this, but you know what? I'm going to go ask for forgiveness. It's going to be okay. But if I keep doing this and it never changes, Mm -hmm. that's where people, I think it gets a little, little hairy. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you talked about verse 7 and another unsuccessful pour. <laughs> that burned my leg, actually, right there. Another unsuccessful pour. We're getting coffee. rid of this cup. <laughs> You're done. You're done. Um, but. Again, it's not even on the ground. It is all good. in my seat. <laughs> Glad you saved it. Um, there's white carpet in our recording studio. It's a fancy word, recording studio. But there's white carpet in here. That's a good um, But in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. So I'm going to tell you, this is just how I see this. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty patient person. Maybe you disagree. Yeah. You do disagree? No, I wouldn't disagree. (laughs) But I feel like, but if somebody asks me something over and over, eventually I'm going to do whatever they want me to do to get them to leave me alone. Yeah. And in this situation... We're tempted, or Jesus is tempted once in verse 3, and then again in verse 6, and now again in verse 8. Me, in this situation, I'd be like, fine, whatever. Yeah. I'll do whatever you want to get you out, like to just leave me alone. Yeah. But he still didn't do that. I mean, it was, and I think this is hilarious, but Satan is saying in verse 9, you know, showing him the kingdoms of the world, all of this I will give to you. And all, if you fall down and worship me. And then he said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you serve. And this brings us to a current problem. See, I'm talking this way because I'm about to get into a rant. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> but if I start talking really fast, it means I'm about to rant. But I'm so tired of hearing people say, the end is near, and Satan is controlling the world. And guys, I don't care if you're talking about politics. I don't care if you're talking about the, the agenda of people who shouldn't be in charge and the LGBTQ movement. I don't care what you're talking about. Satan does not have control of the world. He never has. Never has and never will. And he's saying here, all of this I'm going to give to you. Satan doesn't have it. Yep. He does, and Jesus is control. God is in control, and He will be until the day the world ends. Mm-hmm. And that I get—it's to the point. I'm a very non-confrontational person, but if one more person says that to me in public, it's gonna be rant time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "You're wrong!" Yeah. Like, 
Ugh. This makes me mad because, guys, Jesus is in control. God's in control. Always has been. Always will be. And we have to trust that. Mm-hmm. Now, are there things happening right now that maybe we don't agree with? Yes. There are things that are happening now that I don't agree with. But again, God's got it. We don't see the end picture. We don't know what's happening. We can just see what's right in front of us. And that just that brings us to a current problem, mm-hmm. okay, is people are starting to lose hope in Jesus and just say, I don't know what's going on, but everybody else is doing it, so so should I. Mm-hmm. Stop. Yeah. I mean, there's no plainer statement to say that God is in control and we don't have to worry about it. Okay, and I get and I worry about a lot of things. I'm that's just how I'm wired. I'm a worrier. And that is one thing that that I finally accept. I don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about the homosexual agenda. And I keep bringing that up because it's on my mind. But It's very prevalent. I'm not worried too. about that. I'm not worried about who our president is. I'm not worried about who his vice president is. I know that God is in charge. Yep. Okay? And this is not on the show to talk about politics. I'm not showing you which side I'm on and which side I'm not. But... Let's just say there's things that are going on I don't agree with, all right? But God's in control. He is just as much in control right now than he was in Matthew chapter 4. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Jackson's sitting here like, But you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And in verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So, the devil got the picture, mm-hmm. okay? He's gone. But that's, that's, just, that's what I take from 7 through 11 is he's saying, take this. If you worship me, you can have all this. Jesus has it. God mm-hmm. has it. He, Satan doesn't control everything. That's right. You know, he can if you allow him to control your life. He will. Yeah. But God is still in control of the world. Mm-hmm. My rant is done. There you go. <laughs> well, just to kind of continue with the the theme of combating sin with uh, Scripture, uh, that verse that you just read, I'll read again in 9, where it says, For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. That's actually from Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 13. I feel like I need to go back and read Deuteronomy now, because this... There's a, he's quotes a lot from there, mm-hmm. and that might have been something I I've overlooked and need to return we back studied, to. We spent like a probably a month studying Matthew and then going back to that in Bible college mm-hmm. and compared the two. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and then um, so just we see that's kind of the end of this uh, little scene, I guess, if you would say, before Jesus gets back into his ministry. You know, we'll get we get started, actually, in his ministry, and just the whole easy to take from this is that the best thing to do to combat temptation is know your Bible. Mm-hmm. Read read the, your Bible, know your scripture, know when people test you and test your faith and ask you questions, know the answer, or know where you can find the answer. And, uh, and I know something that I've struggled with is that when evangelizing, and sometimes sometimes you don't have the answers, and that and that's and that's for everyone. No, nobody knows all the answers, but I always am like, what if I say the wrong thing, or something but, like that? But I know where to find it. That's. Do you know the best thing in the world to say in a situation that you don't know the answer? Let's take a look. No, or say let's look together, or say I don't know. Yeah. But I'll find it. Mm-hmm. But when you say I'll find it. You go find it. Yeah. That's not the end game. Yeah. You know, people appreciate the truth. And if I don't know something, I'll say, I don't know, you know. Yeah. I don't know it. But that's that was hard for me, you know, being a minister. I'm supposed to know everything about the Bible, you know. Yeah. That's what everyone thinks. That's, and I don't. That's what I, you, I don't. Yeah. Now, if someone asks me something, I've never been, like, stumped to the point that I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But if I don't know, then I'll say, you know what, let me go study it. Yeah. And I'll get back to you. You know, but that combating sin with scripture, you know, and I'm not saying that when you have it, every time you're tempted, pull out your Bible and just start reading to yourself in a corner. That's not possible, you know, because we're tempted in so many different ways every day. But if you know 
what the Bible talks about, you know how to combat sin. Okay? There is one perfect man, and that was Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are not going to be perfect. But we have ways that we can we can fix ourselves and work on ourselves through the scripture. You know, people a lot of people think that you know the Bible this is an I'm not gonna go into a rant on this one, but you know, a lot of people say now that the Bible's not relevant anymore. Guys, I'm gonna tell you, if the only Bible that you ever get is your preacher or on Sunday mornings, it's not the Bible. I mean, if, you know, our preacher is phenomenal, love to listen to him. Or if I'm speaking, you know, if I'm going to a passage and we're studying a passage, turn to it and look. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the only time you hear the scripture is when you're, you know, reading it on the screen at church or you're listening to it, that you're wrong. Yeah. You have got to be a student of God's word. You have to be. You know, I use this, this um, illustration in lessons. I've used it a lot. But, you know, if I if I laid a suitcase of $3 million right here, Jackson, which I don't think you've heard this, I'm sure. Yeah. But if I lay that suitcase there, a briefcase full of cash, I mean, cold, hard, $100 bills, baby. <laughs> if I lay that right there and I give you this binder of instructions and say, okay, read it, and you'll find out how you get it. Are you going to read it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Cover to cover. Yeah. And we get something so much more. Jesus says, if you will become a student of my word, okay, if you will become a student of the word, if you'll be avidly studying and looking at it, it's going to give us something that we can't even compare it to. You know, if we're an avid student of the word and we're constantly in the word, then we're going to make it to heaven. If we spend our lives dedicated to the word okay now speaking where the bible speaks and silent where the bible is silent is something you have to master too yeah you know but don't change it don't make it i mean read it for what it is and study it then we get a prize so much better than three million dollars you know but that's what blows my mind is is if you said it to somebody hey hey man some (laughs) random dude on the street hey, here's $3 million, read this binder, and it's yours. We're all over it. Oh, yeah. But if I say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this gift of eternal life. Here's the Bible. Read it and do what it says and live it every day. You can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And people are like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't do it. I'm good. And I don't understand why. Because every answer to temptation and the struggles that we deal with are in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the thing that keeps us out of heaven? Sin. Mm-hmm. And the answer to combating sin is right in front of our face. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to read it. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't either. But that's, I mean, and one thing too, and I hope I'm not stealing what you're talking about. No. If you notice, you know, the devil gets the, the point and leaves. Mm-hmm. You know, I get tempted every day. Like there is something, and like Richard said yesterday in, at church, and if you didn't hear it, then it's new to you. But, you know, I have temptations that bother me. And you have, Jackson has temptations that bother him. And they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Like you may be tempted with this, and I walk past it every day and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. But I may be tempted with something else. You know, it's different for everybody. But... If we continue to get tempted by it, that means we've not done it yet. Yeah. You know, and once Satan catches us and leaves us alone, he knows he's got us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got you in the bag. But if he continually comes and tempts and tempts and tempts and it doesn't work, he's going to keep trying. Mm-hmm. But when the devil stops tempting you, that's when you have to be worried. Mm-hmm. Because when he stops, he knows he's got you in the back. Yeah, he's your favorite student. Exactly. And so, praise God, hallelujah, church, church. for temptation. Because, hallelujah, church. <laughs> because when we're being tempted, yeah, sometimes we may fall short. Sometimes we may succumb to the temptation. But if we're continually tempted and devil, the devil keeps coming back and back, he knows. He's going to target you and say, Jackson's a, a Christian. 
I got to keep at him. Mm-hmm. You know, but once you fall away, once he's got you in the bag, and once you're living a life of sin, and he walks away, and you think everything's great, but you don't have a relationship with Christ anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you have to get worried. And that's, it makes me, and I don't know how I can respect Jesus more, honestly, but it makes me respect him that much more. I don't even know how to say it when he's tempted three different times and every single time he says, no, I'm good. And it's not even like, like I'm not saying tem- some temptations are greater than others, but if you're an alcoholic, you're trying to get off alcohol and you get tempted with alcohol, it's a little harder to to kind of push that away. But like Satan here is offering him so, so much. Like mm-hmm. he's offering him everything in that last temptation. He's offering him a way to kind of like Avoid the cross almost, like and you all, can, And he's saying, "All you have to do is fall out and worship me." Yeah, that's all you have to do. Yeah, and how easy would that have been? Just be like, you know what? If I'm, if this can avoid me the pain and suffering I'm going to experience later, mm-hmm. sign me up. But, you know, but he doesn't. But what we do, and guys, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna say things, and I know there are Christians who know more than I do listening to this. But I'm gonna keep it simple, just for people who maybe haven't talked about this as much. But the pain that we that he went through on the cross, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I handle pain pretty well. Um, funny story. Yeah, you do. The worst pain that I've ever been in was <laughs> when I broke my collarbone oh, last summer. It's the I truth. I knew you would it's bring it up. So let me, Jackson. Uh, Jackson is my greatest friend in the whole world. Uh, all right, <laughs> and we were golfing. And it wasn't his fault. It really wasn't. We were golfing, and I was, like, standing up on the side of the cart because my ball was, like, 20 feet away because I hit it 20 feet and it stopped. And so Jackson's driving this sketchy golf cart to the ball, and I didn't shift my weight right, and I flew out of the golf cart Rolled. and broke my collarbone in three different places. That is the worst pain I've ever been in. And not even the day it happened. It was the next day I was like something wrong <laughs> something is very wrong because you waited a little bit before you went I waited you a day before out. I went and got like x-rays sore, you know, just so but but I, in reality I handle pain pretty well but if someone said to me hey Dylan I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go through this now to avoid having the pain and breaking your collarbone I'm gonna say alright deal because we don't wanna experience the pain mhm and like that's the way our life is. Hey, I'm gonna give you some alcohol to numb this, to ease your pain of your bad day, mm-hmm. or I'm going to allow you to become addicted to pornography, to whatever, to ease the pain. Yeah. And and Satan said, I can I can end all this. I'll give you everything, and you won't have to go through this pain. Mm-hmm. But we and he said no. But can you comprehend the pain of being crucified? Yeah. I mean, I can't. And I've been through some painful things. I can't even comprehend how much pain that would be. Did Jesus know the amount of pain you'd go through? Like, I, I imagine that he knew his plan. Like, he knew, did he know that it was going to be? I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah, he knew, he knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew, like, but... I knew that, but I didn't know if... You always think something might be more painful than other things obviously mm-hmm. like you know splinter in the middle of your hand isn't bad but a mm-hmm. splinter like the like the tip of your finger or like in a crease of your hand that's way worse mm-hmm. and so like, I was just wondering if that if he maybe he knew what what he was going to experience he knew what he was in for mm-hmm. and you know we, we kind of think about that like we think about pain and it kind of puts a pit in our stomach whether you admit it or not like you know, when I go to the doctor's office and I know that I'm going to have to get an IV or give blood, even though I'm not afraid of it, like I know it's coming, I'm not scared, but like I get, my stomach starts to hurt because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know what's about to happen. I know that I'm going to have to get a needle stuck in my arm or, you know, whatever. But and he knew, he knew it was going to happen. And even, you know, in the garden, and we'll talk about this. He prayed to God, you know, let this cut pass for me. If I don't have to do this, I don't want to do it. He knew what was about to happen. But on the flip side of this, while and I'm referring to that, but while he's getting tempted, he's saying, you know, 
every word we don't live by bread alone, but we you know every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then again, he's saying, "You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." He's saying, "Let this cup pass from me, but if I have to do it, I'll do it yeah. because Your will needs to be done." And that's how much Jesus respected God. Mm-hmm. And same person, you know, the God had three and one. He had every, he could have stopped all of it, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what blows my mind. I mean, and even here, again, 40 days without food, and he has the opportunity to have food. And then, you know, let's see, you know, throw yourself down and command his angels, you know, call the angels on their hands that will bear you up, they'll take you away. And then he says, don't tempt me. Don't mm-hmm. tempt the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. He's saying he's more important. And then again, you know, I'll give you all these. I'll give you every, you know, from end to end, I'll give you everything if you worship me. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. The entire time he's pointing to God, pointing to God, pointing mm-hmm. to God. When we're being tempted, though we may mess up sometimes, if we will point to God through the scripture, we'll win. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus has done the entire time. He points to God, he points to God, he points to God. That's how you combat sin. Plus that scripture, if God's on our side, who's against us? I can't remember at the top of my head. I feel like it's something in Romans. Probably. (laughs) But there you go. Ministers don't know everything. I'm really bad with book, chapter, and verse. Me too. I know um, generally where it's at. but That's what he's doing. I mean, the way we point to God... Is living the way the scriptures tell us. So that brings it back to how do we combat sin? You be in the word. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what I take. Even from 11 verses. Yeah. I can preach an entire sermon series. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to continue on, uh, I'll read the last little bit. It's uh, now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in uh, Capernaum but by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, Talia, I don't know. Um, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. This land of Zebulun and land of the Naphtali or whatever that is again. The way of the sea uh, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen it, a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of de- death, on them a light has been drawn. Uh, so kind of just really summarizing almost the last little bit of the chapter. This is just kind of the start of Jesus' ministry. Um, and uh, let's read a little more just so we can get some of the some of the people he recruits. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I wanted you to read verse 17. Oh, I stopped a little too early. My bad. But, you know, verse 16... The people dwelling in darkness have seen great light, and for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death on them, a light has been done in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, (coughs) saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, we're in verse 17. Jesus' ministry began around verse 12. This man is on a mission. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because in a matter of five verses, boom. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is he doing? Pointing to God, pointing to God, pointing to God. That's what he does. That's all I wanted to say. We can keep going. Verse 18. Um, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, uh, who called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on from there he saw two other brothers James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him I'm going to go ahead and finish the chapter Um, and he went through all throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they began and they brought him all the sick, uh, the, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, uh, those oppressed by demons and having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee, 
and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and far beyond and from beyond the Jordan. So here he starts. Um, from that time, verse 17, Jesus began saying and preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he calls the first disciples, um, which were Simon, which Peter, and then Andrew, his brother, for their fishermen. So the entire time, and I hope I'm not taking what mm. you were going to say, but they were casting a net into the sea and they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, I don't know how I would take that. <coughs> you know, so I'm a fisherman. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, so Jesus is walking and he sees these two brothers and they're fishing and he says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They're like, well, I'm already a fisherman. That's what I'm doing right like, now. That's what I, but there's no hesitation. It says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John. So now we have Peter, Andrew, James, and John um, in their boat, and they were mending their nets, and he called to them. And immediately, again, verse 22, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so there we have the first four disciples. And you think on those that I, that I mentioned? Mm. And then starting in verse 23, this is where, this is what I like to see. You know, and we, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but we can talk about it a little bit. But it says in verse 24 or 23, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, pointing to God and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so why do you think Jesus is spending his time maybe healing these people? What, what's your take? And then I'll give you mine, but... I think he just... Because, see, he's trying... I feel like he's gaining popularity almost. Mm-hmm. Because, see, he probably isn't well-known everywhere, obviously, yet. He's kind of, like, uh, beginning to grow a following and to uh, kind of... And that's that's a great way to do that is by healing people. Because that's... They didn't have anything back then. Like, mm-hmm. and a man just walking around... You have your broke collarbone, and Jesus just touches your shoulder and is like, I got you. And all of a sudden, it's healed. You're going to want to know what this guy's got to say. What else is he going to do? What is he going to accomplish? That's, that's somebody I want to follow. You know, there's there's two, and this is not scripture. Kevin Darty actually taught me this a long time ago. But there's two different types of ministry, okay? You have indirect ministry, and you have direct ministry. A direct ministry is you coming up to me and saying, I'm struggling, can we can we sit down and talk, can we study? That is direct ministry. That is me ministering to you through God, mm-hmm. okay? And indirect ministry is I'm going to do something to help you because the entire time that I'm doing something, I want to point to God. Mm-hmm. That's indirect ministry. You know, ministers get called to do the most strange things. I've been at Double Springs for two and a half years. I have helped grandma get up and go to the bathroom. (laughs) I have hung pictures. I have pressure washed driveways. I have taken garbage out for people. I have done all these things. That's not my job. I'm not going to lie to you. But that's indirect ministry. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody knows that they can call on me to help, then when they need true direct ministry they're going to call you know I'll relate this to me and you but you know we've been friends for two three I don't know how long but have we had to have tough conversations before yeah Yeah. Jackson's had to say stuff to me that I don't want to hear and I've had to say stuff stuff to you that I don't want to hear but is that something that we always have to do if we if we did that all the time though like in our everyday conversation if all I did was put you down we're not going to be friends very well but if I can build the relationship like me and you have, then if I'm here and I'm always available and I'm ready to help and I'm always there, then when it comes time for me to have a hard conversation with you, it's going to go over a whole lot better. Yeah. Because we built that relationship. Jesus is building relationships. He is doing indirect ministry so that way he can continue to directly minister to these people later. If somebody heals... My kid, 
you know, he was healing people with, with pains and diseases and demons and paralytics and seizures and all these things. If somebody heals my kid, I'm devoted to them. Like, yeah. if you have this supernatural thing and my kid has a seizure and you can fix it, I'm devoted to you. Yeah. Because you did that. And that's, that's what indirect ministry is, too. Like, when you do enough stuff for somebody, then I'm not going to say they're devoted to you. I mean, they're there for you. Yeah. If you build that kind of relationship, that's what Jesus is doing. He is building a relationship in order to direct, directly minister to these people. You know, that's what that's what modern day, and that's what how we spread the, the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It is. If we as Christians, and not just me and him in this room, I mean everybody listening who's a Christian, if you can build a relationship with somebody, then you can have those hard conversations mm-hmm. after a little while. You know, if I just walk up to you and say you're wrong, it's not going to go over well. Yeah. But if we're friends, and I know, or you know you can trust me, and all that kind of stuff, then that stuff comes easier. That's what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. He is indirectly ministering to these people so that he can build a relationship and further minister the gospel. And the entire time, he is pointing to Jesus. Right. You know? So... I don't want to. I don't want to go any further, because the the main thing that that we wanted to talk about today was the very beginning of chapter four of temptation. Mm-hmm. How do you combat temptation? You stay in the Word, okay? You point to Christ the same way that He did, and then we see why that's so important and why it's so important to trust God and to be in the Word, because He goes from being tempted, begins His ministry. And then calls the first four disciples, and he's already healing people in 25 verses. Okay? Because, guys, we don't know what's going to happen after we're tempted. We don't. You know, if we, if we just give up every time that we're tempted, we have no idea what's before us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knew. He knew he was about to begin his ministry. He knew he was about to call the first four disciples. He knew all the things he was about to do, and he withstood it. And unfortunately, we don't get that luxury. You know, yes, do I have my agenda of things that I have to do tomorrow? Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, something catastrophic could happen in my life. We don't know that. And so don't give up when you're tempted because you have no idea what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And if we can fight that with God, if we can fight that with his word, then we're going to be fine. But... Miss anything? I mean, you go over anything else? I think it's good. So, uh, week three, Coffee in Christ, you got to hear Dylan go on a rant, and that will probably happen every week. Coffee spills. Coffee spills, Dylan rants. See you next week.